Hello, hello, good evening, and welcome to your Wednesday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I am your host, not Justin Labar. He was having some internet issues today. We hope he's staying safe, obviously, down there in Pittsburgh. But I am the content machine, Liam Crowley, and I'm joined by my favorite tag team partners here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. First, it's a podcast regular, NYC's Demon Diva, Issa. Issa, great to see you again. Good to see you too, Liam. And also to my left, it's former WWE referee and author of The Three Count, the delightful Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, it's always a pleasure. Well, thank you. I don't know how often I've been described as delightful, but I'll take it. Well, the legend. The legend, Jimmy Corderas. I like I like the sound of legend, but delightful. I remember that got a pop out of you a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I've just decided to run with it uh, yeah. every time we happen to share the mics. But before yeah, we right. get into AEW Dynamite, which is obviously the centerpiece of this show, we do have some news to get to. And it may only be one story, but this story just has branches and branches and offshoots and new reports and new quotes and new rumblings and rumors and speculation and craziness. It's the Vince McMahon story. Stuff is going on behind the scenes in WWE right now. There's an internal investigation. The Wall Street Journal is breaking stories of all places. And the latest we've heard on this story, which I'm sure you all have known about by now, is that backstage is currently described as, quote, a lot of silence with people keeping their heads down. There's a lot of sympathy directed towards Stephanie McMahon, who has stepped in as the interim chairwoman and interim CEO of WWE because she was taking a leave of absence from the company just a couple of weeks ago to focus on time with her family. Obviously, she's kind of been forced back into the company not necessarily against her will, but someone had to step up, and that's who was brought into power. John Laurinaitis, on the other hand, the vice president of talent relations, executive president of talent relations, something to do with talent relations. Mm-hmm. That's in the title. He's taking a leave of absence. Bruce Pritchard is now in his place. And Vince McMahon's TV appearances, plural at this point. He showed up on SmackDown, cut a very bizarre promo, showed up on Raw, basically promoting John Cena's return next week. They have been described as, quote, tone deaf and embarrassing by some talents backstage jimmy i'll go to you first on this one with all the latest updates surrounding the vince mcmahon drama controversy is this anything different than when vince has been in you know polarizing situations before or is this one any different than what you've seen before um the only difference i could see in this one is vince is a little more determined to show people he's not going to let this bother him and and uh you know again Nothing is proven. Everything is an allegation. I don't want to pretend I'm a lawyer, as I was telling Justin in the other day. Um, since you're not Justin, I should let you know, too. Uh, I love watching lawyer shows, but I'm not a lawyer. So I'm going to let the legalities play out and go from there. As of right now, they're all allegations. But at the same time, um, not saying that I know Vince McMahon better than others, but uh, having worked for him for all those years, Vince McMahon is a smart man. And I can't see him dropping his guard very much. So uh, I, I don't know if this is a fishing expedition or something he did happen. What, regardless, I think Vince is of the mindset, I didn't do anything wrong and I'm going to go out there and show the world that I'm not going to let this affect me or affect you too in enjoying whatever we put out there. I, I see what you're saying. And I like the perspective too of someone who has worked for Vince McMahon. So you kind of have more of a knowledge of what is going on than say every other person. Isa, as a fan of WWE and having that fan perspective, when Vince came out on Monday, you know, not an announced appearance compared to SmackDown, which we at least knew about for a couple of hours. What was your reaction? Did you align with the tone deaf and embarrassing comments or did you feel otherwise? 
Tone deaf, yes, I, I will have to agree with that statement of people, you know, backstage saying that. Um, it, it just feels like a lot of times, you know, I tell people, hey, I kind of cover professional living for a for professional wrestling for a living. And I feel like this is the only place where you will see something like that happen, right? I've seen a lot of other CEO scandals and they go into hiding or they do their best to put together a good PR team that's going to do all the talking for them. But not Vince McMahon. And 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 as somebody that has worked for corporate America for a long time, it just blows my mind that the behavior that he's exhibiting. But at the same time, he does have the majority of the uh, the voting power. He owns the company. So I sometimes I see it as a flex. Is that I'm not going anywhere. Also, I see it as a, I brought you all of this. No matter what they're saying about me, you wouldn't have this without me. I see it as a lot of different, you know, in a different particular lights. But I just, I, I can't, I, I don't know. These appearances just feel, feel very pointless to me. But at the same time, I, I, I kind of see what he's doing. It's mm-hmm. a weird flex, honestly. It's a weird flex. Yeah. Weird flex is probably the, the yeah. best way to describe it. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Jimmy, I'm going to toss back to you with another question mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. What comes next? Because this is obviously an ongoing story. And if this is Vince popping up on TV to flex the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, I'm not going anywhere, do these appearances continue? Do we just hear more rumblings on, you know, wrestlinginc.com and other websites? Mm-hmm. What happens next? That's the that's the the sixty four thousand dollar question right there. Yeah. I don't know what happens next because with Vince McMahon, you never know. And I think the smart thing would be for him to slowly tone it back because I know a lot of people are saying, "Well, they put Stephanie there because uh, of her relationship with Vince, being Vince's daughter." But Stephanie is a smart woman as well, and she's been around the business her entire life, and she's got help with uh, someone like Triple H and and. A lot of people had uh, Hunter pegged as the guy to take over uh, when Vince eventually does step down. But uh, due, due to circumstances, I'm assuming, again, not I'm just thinking that a lot to do with his health issues from the past, and they don't want to fire those up again. Uh, as he just returned back to apparently to to Orlando this past week in, in NXT and showed up apparently. So uh, maybe it's a way to transition power over slowly, but Vince will never kind of go away so to speak yeah i mean you make a good point because he's still retaining creative control he's still the one Mm -hmm. writing the script for raw and smackdown uh someone in the comments here mentioning Mm -hmm. that he has yet joseph boza says he has yet to go to nxt which i find hilarious it was pre-taped it was pre-taped so he's just waiting for it to be live (laughs) you believe he'll show up on the yellow brand uh why not why not (laughs) Oh, it's the rainbow I, I just now. wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Correct. I just wouldn't be surprised. You know what I mean? Like I really wouldn't. But I will. NXT was pre-taped yesterday, so maybe that's why. Hey, if he shows up on main event, uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Anything is on the table at this point. The bump. the bump. Oh man, yeah. WWE YouTube exclusive. Maybe maybe he wins the twenty-four-seven title on social media or something. Who knows? There you go. Issa, one final question I'll, I'll ask to you on this story. I kind of want to just get your insight. What happens next? How long is this going to go on for? Do you see this getting wrapped up before the end of the summer? Is this, are we in this for the long haul? I, I have no idea, Liam. I personally thought he was going to put Stephanie, you know, in charge, as I do quotations, and kind of go away and disappear until this investigation went away. As Jimmy mentioned, these are allegations, and some of the things that are being alleged are not necessarily illegal. And if there was a payment made out of Vince McMahon's pocket, it's not 
legal, right? So I was, I thought that he was just going to put Stephanie in charge and kind of like sit quiet until it went away. And then he would just resume his role and, and we wouldn't find anything out. Because you have to remember, if Wall Street Journal doesn't publish their piece, their article on this, we don't know about this. And this has been going on since April. So we only found out about it because of the Wall Street Journal. Um, so I personally thought that him stepping away is only it's nothing but a PR move for investors. But I, I wasn't expecting him to be showing up in every show. But then again, it's Vince McMahon. It's wrestling. I don't even know what to believe anymore. This June has just been so insane that I'm just going to stop saying there's no way that happens because it'll probably happen. Is it a work? Is it a shoot? That's what we keep saying about MJF. We know that this situation mm -hmm. is obviously a shoot. This is legit happening. You're not going to work the Wall Street Journal of all places. But we know that there's not, you know, any end to this story anytime soon. There's layers and layers and investigations and investigations. And we'll keep you posted here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast as well as on WrestlingInc.com. But let's get into what we were brought here to talk about tonight. AEW Dynamite, the go-home show for the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. And we kick things off with one name that I know we were all wincing at him being on the show because of the fact that it was promoted as Daniel Bryan, excuse me, Bryan Danielson will address his current status. And considering that was the same verb he had used when CM Punk had to say that he was stepping away from the ring for a little bit, it wasn't looking like good news. And that's exactly what it was. Bryan Danielson is not medically cleared to compete for both Forbidden Door this Sunday and the Blood and Guts edition of Dynamite next Wednesday. And there will be a mystery replacement for both the Zack Sabre Jr. match happening this Sunday and the Double Steel Cage match happening next Wednesday. Easy question off the top. Issa, I'll go to you first. A lot of names being tossed around social media right now. Who's this mystery uh, replacement that's going to take Brian Danielson's spot at both Forbidden Door and Blood and Guts? Brie Bella. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I Like I said, I was doing a watch along and a lot of people threw around Johnny Gargano, Cesaro. Um, you know, if you're just asking me on a guess, I'm going to throw those two outs, but I do have a lot of thoughts in regards to this segment. I like both guesses. I, I see the thing is with me, with Cesaro and Johnny Gargano, I think both are top options. And I look at Cesaro being a good replacement for the Zack Sabre Jr. match from a technical standpoint. While Gargano is a very technical wrestler, when I think it's someone who's going to be in a blood and guts cage match, someone who has war games experience would be Johnny Gargano. So I think both have reason to step in. Uh, I'm seeing another name being tossed around like Jonathan Gresham. He's obviously a very mm -hmm. big technical wrestler, but he wouldn't be as big of a pop as either Johnny Wrestling or Claudio Castagnoli. Jimmy, who are we feeling is going to replace Brian Danielson? Uh, those two names seem to be the top two names listed by a lot of people. And that just goes to show you how, how, how much wrestling fans know those names, especially Cesaro or Claudio Castagnoli, uh, because he has been on major television for several years now. So he is recognizable. You can go off the board. Uh, maybe you bring in some, and it is Forbidden Door. Maybe you bring in somebody from uh, Impact Wrestling. Maybe you do bring in someone like a Moose or someone like a, a Josh Alexander. You bring in the, mm. the Impact World Champion. That would be, I'm a big fan of Josh's, as, uh, you know, uh, good Canadian. It is Forbidden kid. Door. It is Forbidden yeah, Door. It is Forbidden Door. So you never know. But the logic would tell you if you want to go with the one that seems to have the biggest name, uh, Globally, I think Cesaro slash Claudio Castagnoli would be the the logical choice. And Brian Danielson did say this guy is a great wrestler, and he definitely is. 
So Th- that he definitely is. And he's been someone that a lot of people have been holding their breath as to when he's going to show up next, because he was one of those names when he got released from WWE, a, a guy who, you know, was up and down throughout the years and did resign as, as late as I want to say sometime in 2021, but things obviously fizzled out there. He's a guy that I think a lot of people want to see in AEW as soon as possible. And even, you know, weeks and weeks removed from his no compete clause or whatever it was. I think he was just purely his contract expired. Either way, his momentum is still hot. The fact that people are still talking about him in these kind of discussions is worth noting. Uh, Isa, I want to ask you another question about this promo because as much as I want to be the positivity guy, I might have a lot of criticisms tonight with this AEW show and Zack Sabre Jr. coming out after Brian Danielson's announcement and teasing a match that isn't going to happen anytime soon kind of frustrated me because this show feels like it's being built like every survivor series of the past five years where we're building up matches four weeks ago and now the card has completely changed okada versus hangman is now going to be a four-way uh everything going on with cm punk and tanahashi turns into moxley versus tanahashi it feels like there's no rhyme or reason to this show it feels like a hodgepodge of just random matches thrown together how did you feel about Zack Sabre Jr. coming out and saying, hey, we're going to wrestle one day, but not this Sunday? Look, <laughs> I, 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 can, I, I feel the same way you felt, right? I am um, I'm very scared about this secret opponent thing, right? Let's just start by that. Like, I feel like if this person was a huge deal, you had to announce him tonight so that way people buy the pay-per-view. So now I'm going into Sunday thinking this is going to be a disappointing and we're all getting our hopes up and, and we've done this before, you know, or it's not going to be as big of a deal as we think. Because if you look at the ratings, if you look at the numbers that AW has been doing, and, and a lot of people have expressed feeling underwhelmed with the built towards Forbidden Door, if you have something to pull out of your pocket at the very last minute, which they did with Okada, I'll give them that, you do it here. So I have a bad feeling about who's going to show up to replace Brian and who we're expecting to show up. Um, That being said, you have these guys coming to the States to be in the pay-per-view. You might as well put him on on TV. I was more concerned about the lack of a pop for Zack Sabre Jr. I think that one person, I think Okada got a decent pop, but I think outside of Osprey, a lot of these new Japan guys are just not getting the reaction that they might have hoped to get. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sheen Black sends in our first super chat of the night. Thank you so much, Sheed. Uh, they say bought the last two AEW pay-per-views, but I'm unsure if I'm purchasing Forbidden Door. Uh, Jimmy, for I guess I'll ask you, do you plan on spending 50 bucks for Forbidden Door? And even if you have to buy it, if you were watching it purely as a fan, would you dish out 50 bucks? Uh, see, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm honestly on the fence because tonight was the night they're supposed to entice me. They're supposed to grab me. They're supposed to get me invested in wanting to see this. But it like it felt like a hodgepodge of stuff thrown out there. And it's basically one of those pay-per-views, in my opinion, that appeals to a certain fan base, a, a small fan base that, that says, hey, I know who Tanahashi is. I know who Kata is. I know who the New Japan guys are, IWGP champions, blah, blah, blah. It, others out there who are watching and saying okay make me want to buy this pay-per-view and they're just kind of casual fans who don't really tune in to new japan pro wrestling as mjf doesn't as well apparently um <laughs> you know they're they're like so who is this guy why should i be invested in this guy and the way to get him invested 
is you do some great promo work. You talk them into the seats. And unfortunately, their idea of talking, talking people into the seats is have a match, have a promo segment afterwards, chaos in the aftermath. And that's it. Amen. You know? It was, it felt like it was after every segment, every single segment. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There's, there's a lot of gripes I have. Uh, and you mentioned too, how you sell, uh, sell this pay-per-view and you know, when I've gone to many AEW tapings before for the live audience, there's plenty of wrestling. They tape dark and elevation beforehand. They usually tape rampage after the fact, this was a show that I think should have been layered and layered and layered with video packages. And I know they're doing the countdown to Forbidden Door after Rampage on Friday, but how many people are going to tune into that? If, if that- you only have 300,000 people tuning into Rampage, how many do you think are going to tune into the countdown? That's a really Let's good point. Real. That's a really yeah. good point. And Issa, you did mention, you know, Zack Sabre Jr., a bit of a concerning lack of reaction. A guy that did get a pretty big reaction, not just when he entered uh, through backstage, but when he hit the ring and people were chanting Osprey, Osprey, Osprey was Will Ospreay and the United Empire. But unfortunately, they were defeated once again in trios action, this time by Orange Cassidy and Rapongi Vice. Uh, like I said, massive Osprey chance at the beginning. He works the heel gimmick perfectly. He says, I don't need any of you. He's barking back at the crowd. Lots of AEW, and this is awesome chance throughout. I was enamored with this match. I, I loved uh, the last trios match we got with the United Empire. I'm a very big fan of Will Ospreay and all of his New Japan and British indie work, but I am not in love with the results because here's a faction that you're bringing in from overseas that's supposed to be crazy dominant, and they've lost both of their trios matches. I know that Will Ospreay won in singles action, but it looks like he's this giant leader and all of his other guys are just goons who can't get uh, a win. It ended with Orange Cassidy pinning Kyle Fletcher for the one, two, three. Issa, I see you shaking your head. I see you rolling your eyes. I just want to get your reaction. What was your feeling about this, another United Empire loss? I hated it. I hated it. I actually think that, and I knew who he was, which I do not watch New Japan. Call me MJF. I don't. I tune in for (laughs) Wrestle Kingdom. Okay. So I personally felt that Osprey, not only did I know who he was, he had a great, great reaction, but you did a great job actually building him into matches and, and getting us to get a little bit invested into him. And not only did you put him in a match that maybe is not what I was hoping Osprey will be doing at Forbidden Door, no offense to Orange Cassidy, but it's just not the first match that I had in mind for him. But on top of that, <laughs> you had him lose. I know, I know it's his faction or whatever, but him losing all the time just makes me feel like this is gonna be like Survivor Series where where Raw just like sweeps everything. Like AW is just gonna win everything. And why should I watch? I I don't, I don't know. I'm excited to see Osprey, and, and and I love his presence. Like that man has mm-hmm. excellent presentation when he comes out. But I hated um, both of his losses on on AW television. Jimmy, how do we feel about Will Ospreay finally jumping over to AEW and, you know, getting that singles win and not being pinned yet, but his faction mates, you know, looking like a bunch of chumps? Well, yeah, that's the thing, you know, I'm, I'm, like like you said, I am a fan of Will Ospreay. I think he's a, he's a special talent, but at the same time, you're trying to, you want to show him as a special talent. It's not just, okay, during the trios match, he does a bunch of moves that make you go, ooh, ah, and you pop for and that's what seems to be the problem lately is everybody's working for the pop of the move instead of telling the story in the match and building a story, building guys in the match. And, you, and you're trying to introduce these people from New Japan to this audience that 
okay, like I said, the diehards may be familiar with them, but there are a lot of people who aren't. And and like Isa, I'm not I, I'm not a regular New Japan watcher. So get me invested in these guys. And if they're continuous continuously losing, you know, uh, there's a way to get over without going over. They haven't been doing that either. If you know what I mean, they, they haven't even in the losses, they haven't been getting these talents over. Yeah, because you mentioned in the loss after the fact, you know, they hit the ring and they're given the beat down and everything. Uh, or no, they were just on the apron. They didn't even get offense in. And then FDR hits the ring and then they all look scared and everything and retreat. United Empire, to me, when they first arrived on the scene, when I first started watching them form in New Japan, you know, not full on shows, but I kept up with, you know, everything Osprey was doing. I was like, this could be the next dominant faction. You know, Bullet Club was getting a little stale. This could be your next dominant heel faction in New Japan that has a kind of crossover potential. They got a great look. I love the color scheme. I love the patterns on their gear. And I love just the name United Empire. And, you know, one of the biggest things in wrestling, people will sleep on it. But having a hand signal, that's big. That's big. Like having something unique that hasn't been done before when wrestling's been around for 50 plus years is a big thing. And the fact that they're losing all the time is super frustrating to me because I've been holding my breath for Will Ospreay to show up in AEW. And even though he looks like a big deal as a solo act, him being associated with these guys kind of makes him look very mid-card. And on top of that too, another criticism I have with this presentation, and we talk about the big debate and always gets brought up between WWE and AEW is WWE caters too much to the casual audience while AEW caters too much to the hardcore audience. And I have always, you know, pushed back on that because I've said, why is it bad to cater to to the people who really like wrestling. And then I think about my the times I try to get friends invested in it. If someone sat down to watch this show, specifically this segment with me, and they were trying to catch up on who these people were, and they were listening to commentary and hearing Excalibur go, well, Will Ospreay is the Rev Pro Champion, but he's also the IWGP US Champion, but he doesn't have that title because Juice Robinson claims he's still... like It's so much information at once, and I admire and applaud Excalibur's incredible wrestling intellect. Yeah. But the speed and the the complicatedness of the delivery, to me, even though I'm keeping up with what he's saying, I know what the buzzwords Juice Robinson and IWGP mean. So the casual audience, they're just like, what? They're is not good. This yeah. is too much. This is too much of yeah. one. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I I love that you brought that up because you're you're so on point. If if commentary can't explain it, and you have to turn around and take everybody off the match to explain who they are and what they've accomplished or what it is that's going on. Oh, and we'll get into the final like scene of dynamite because I have thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to explain this to somebody? I have like two things that I guide the shows that we talk about. It's, like, it's a must-watch television. If you didn't watch that, you missed something important. And B, is that, you know, can you can you bring somebody in and explain everything that happened? And obviously, yeah, to your point, Liam, that was, it was very hard to explain who these people are and why they're here and, and how are they important. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with you with his knowledge. I mean, Excalibur has tremendous knowledge, but at the same time, he caters to that audience, that specific audience. And you hear every once in a while, JR tries to keep things on, on track, but at the same time, there's that offhanded kind of little backhanded uh, sly comment thrown in there every once in a while from JR, you know, and, uh, and the commentator's job is to help tell the story to the audience. And when when it's mishmash and then a chaos afterwards, what story can you tell? And like I said earlier, when there's aftermath happening after every promo segment, after every match, 
that you always remember what the last thing is you saw. So you tend to forget what happened in the match or you forget that you tend to forget what they were talking about because all this stuff happened afterwards. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what both of you guys are saying. It's it's too much, too fast. And it's not very digestible. Like when NXT guys would come up to the main roster back in the day um, in certain call-ups and everything, Kevin Owens would get the mic and say, like, I'm Kevin Owens. I'm the NXT champion, and I've run rough shot on the yellow brand, and I'm here to take your <laughs> U.S. title. It that sounds so exactly simple. what's missing just here. Delivering that, having Will Ospreay say, like, I'm Will Ospreay. I'm the IWGP United States champion. This is my United Empire. And like, we're here to take over AEW. We're here to kick down the forbidden door. That type of delivery coming from the person themselves, mm -hmm. rather than someone listing off every bullet point accomplishment on their Wikipedia page at 800 words a second, yeah. it's so much more digestible. And I know there's only two hours in a show. And I'm not going to lie, I think Forbidden Door, as much as I think this is a great idea for a show on paper, I do think this is super, super rushed. Uh, I, I was just going to say that, Liam. You mm -hmm. just like right. completely jump. Like, I was going to say, mm -hmm. I know we will never get the backstory to this, but I really would love to know when this deal was put like ink to paper and how fast did we actually announce it? Because I think that for Bendor could be something so revolutionary. And I'm here for like, I want all wrestling to do well, whether I watch it or not. I want all of wrestling to do well. We kind of like do this for a living, right? So we need it to succeed. It just feels like it was something that just got put together and you just couldn't wait to get it out there. So you just, boom, book this. When is the arena ready? I'm going to book it for this date and we'll make it happen in a matter of weeks. Like this is a couple of weeks right out of double or nothing too. And you're trying to keep promoting AW while promoting for Ben. It just feels rushed. I love that word. That's it. Rushed. Very, very rushed. And, you know, we got blood and guts next week. We're also going to start to build towards um, other events, the one-off dynamites that are happening throughout the summer, all out on the horizon towards the end. So much going on, rapid speed. I'm almost looking to just, some people said it in the comments earlier, I'm excited to get back to AEW, just focusing on AEW. Because then when you have to change plans because of how Dominion played out, people are saying in the comments like, oh, well, you can't really blame CM Punk and Brian Danielson. Injuries happened. Sure, but having Hangman Page say, I want Okada, and then him coming out the next week and go, Oops, while Okada lost the title, that to me is just like a lack of preparation for, for mm. what can go different and all that. Either way, we got to move on from this segment because mm. I know we're going to echo this criticism for other segments in the show. Uh, but we got a promo from Christian Cage explaining his actions at the final moments of last week's AEW. He finally turned on Jungle Boy. We knew it was happening. Eventually, Jungle Boy uh, lost the tag titles with Luchasaurus. Christian Cage hit him with a concerto, and a lot of people saying he might actually be injured. If you look at how the chair hit in slow motion last week, it didn't look great. Uh, they did a very they did they sold it after the show. They did a stretcher job. Tony Khan came out, was very concerned, got on the live mic, said he apologized uh, to the live audience and everything. Is it a work? Is it a shoot? We're gonna recycle that for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, anyways, Christian Cage cuts this promo, says he used Jungle Boys and Stubble or Nothing 2021. Says he cost him a big paycheck by winning that battle royal, despite the fact he still got a world title shot at all out. But whatever, we'll we'll leave that out of this storyline. Basically, says he's just an AEW for the money, and he was riding Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus's coattails until they lost the titles. They lost the titles. He turned on them, and he delivered one ruthless line in this promo. Him mentioning yeah. that you know he could have been, or he was looked at as Jungle Boy's father figure, and he said that you know he doesn't need a father figure because he has a father. But you're. Mm. 
Oh, Father said it feels wrong just even saying it out loud. Yeah. Even holding him on it. Ugh. Uh, nuclear heat, crazy booze like that. Luchasaurus comes out to basically attack Christian Cage, and Christian Cage says, "Hold up, wait, wait. You know, you're like a son to me. Remember what happened to Marco? You know, mm-hmm. addressing the fact that Marco Stunt's contract expired and they didn't renew it." And uh, Luchasaurus hears him out. Looks like they're going to have a private chat, and we mm-hmm. might be looking at Luchasaurus being uh, the new Tyson Tonko for Christian Cage, being his mm-hmm. big muscle. Uh, Jimmy, uh, what are your thoughts on Christian Cage's promo? Did he go too far? I thought the promo up until that point was awesome because Christian is brilliant at getting heat. He is an, uh, as someone who's known Christian for a long time, he, he can be a natural heel at times and it comes across as genuine for him. You know what I mean? I'm not saying he's a bad guy cause he is a good guy, but at the same time on screen, he could be a real a-hole and he did that tonight. And I don't think that line was necessary. I think it. Uh, he could have referenced his father, but he could have worded it a little differently instead of coming out and saying, "Bam," you know what I mean. I, I, you know, and I know there's people out there say, "Hey, this is pro wrestling. Everything is, you know, f- fair game on the table and stuff like that." There's some. It's a different time too. You got to be careful. You got to be cognizant. And Christian is smart enough to do it without having to use that specific line, and still you know, get the idea across. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think that there is a way to change up the diction a little bit and still get that like, woo gasp reaction. But he just went for it. Uh, Issa, how do you feel about Christian Cage's promo? Are you more or less invested in a Christian Cage Jungle Boy feud after this promo? Definitely more. Um, (laughs) First of all, I personally thought that I was petty. But then this man came out and said that this has something to do with him getting eliminated in the Casino Battle Royal. And I was like, wasn't that two years ago? Like the fact that this man has held on to that moment for that long, he even beats my pettiness. Now, to Jimmy's point, that before he even broke the father line, he said that he gave Jungle Boy's mom a chance to apologize for birthing Jungle Boy. And I thought that was the line. And this is before he even brought the dad into it. I was like, oh my God, that is, that's it. Like, there's nothing else that needs to be said. It's wrestling, it's heel, it's, he's getting that heat. And, and I do think that this, I think that this field needs that in order for people to really be invested. I, I personally have been very vocal about... Um, Christian feeling like a, feeling like a babysitter for Jungle Boy, especially when you see Jungle Boy getting frustrated and crying every time he loses. Like I call him a babysitter. So mm-hmm. I did think that some of the words that he used today will make me more invested be- because before tonight it was just a matter of Christian is going to turn. When are they going to do it? But hearing an explanation and hearing him just just go like I don't know. Listen, if I enjoyed MJF's uh, promo because it felt real, I also enjoyed this. I didn't. I don't necessarily approve of the father line, but I see why he was going there. But I'm a big fan of Beverly Hills 90210. Like that hurt Christian. Okay. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think this did give this feud a shot of adrenaline. Not that it necessarily needed immediately, but you capitalized on the momentum of the previous week. Did they need the father line? I don't know. It got a reaction out of me. Um, you know, a gasp. It made me perk up for a second. It made me stop checking my phone for, for yeah. half a second. Um, and yeah, when they eventually clash, it's going to feel meaningful. And I appreciate and, that too. 
And also, sorry to interrupt you, Liam, but I will say I have never really been invested into Luchasaurus, and I know he has a big fan base. He's just not the type of character for me. Tonight, I'm curious. I want to know what's going on here. He's mm -hmm. listening to Christian. Is he going to turn on Jungle Boy? Is, you know, if he's going to get a whole new gimmick, like, is the most invested I've been in Luchasaurus outside of the guy that comes out with you know, Jungle Boy and they put on great matches. That's all I ever seen him as. So I'm excited to see where this go with Christian and Luchasaurus. Yeah, I wonder if they corporate cane him. I wonder if they take away his mask, make him a completely different character, go by a different name. That that could be something. Know, dinosaurs I... are on mm -hmm. right now with the Jurassic Park movie being out. It might be the wrong time to end this game. <laughs> this this is fair, but at the same time, uh, Raj Geary, you know, our our, mm -hmm. our fearless leader at Wrestling Inc. Uh, has said so many times that he just doesn't think Luchasaurus is a good gimmick. He thinks it's it's silly and stupid and can't get over it as a single it back. I mean, it, I, I'm with Rush on that. It's not it's not yeah. the kind of gimmick that I go for. It's, I also I shout out to the chat because I love him on Big Brother. I'm a big Big mm. Brother fan, and I thought he was great. It, it could have played a little better, but he was great. Either way, though, if you're gonna you know end it while it's hot because i think luchasaurus and jungle boy work together as a tag team fantastically and i thought that reign ended at an appropriate time if you're gonna you know continue his momentum and don't let it get stale too much maybe you do switch up the gimmick maybe you ditch the mask but then you might risk him being just another big man uh jimmy how would you feel about luchasaurus getting a makeover going forward <clears throat> I think that a makeover would definitely help because the, the current situation, he doesn't really talk. He doesn't. And we fought, we've seen in the past that wrestlers that get over huge, either have someone talking for them. So if he does become uh, Tyson Tomko for lack of a better term for Christian, mm -hmm. that could only help him. But at the same time, it has to, something has to change in him. Something has to be a little bit different. We talk about wrestling evolving. Sometimes your character has to evolve too. And it, it, the, the question now is what did Christian whisper into his ear and that's that's the that's the sixty four thousand dollar question as i mentioned before mm -hmm. uh, this is the sixty four thousand dollar question and i hope they don't give it away too soon and let it play out give it time uh, but to your to answer your question in short form yes i think he does need a makeover mm -hmm. Issa, did you have something to say I was just going to say, as, let it play out, like Jimmy said, but not completely forget about it, like the whole NJF thing. Like, you got to give us something here or there in between that that reminds us that this is going on. I don't know if the whole NJF thing is just a long term. I'm hoping he shows up on Sunday, but it's, it feels so irrelevant at this point because it was so long ago and so much has happened ever since. I hope this is not something that they forget about for a little while. I want to see some kind of progression with the storyline. <sighs> You bring up the MJF thing about him possibly showing up Sunday and not to go too off track here, but I think of the Seth Rollins show shows called takeover, right? Where he just comes and he's like, Oh, this is your little, I was project. there, Liam. I oh, went crazy that. for that. That's incredible. <laughs> well, when, you know, Seth Rollins comes and crashes triple H's pet project and everything like pay attention to me, you know, I, I, I have a discrepancy with the company right now and you're the guy I want to hear from. Him showing up to Forbidden Door and him being like, oh, hey, Tony Khan, you know, are, do I have your attention now? I'm taking over your little pet projects. Could be I, I'm ready. I'm ready. Whenever it happens, I have it right here, <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think we lost Jimmy for a second. We'll hopefully try to get him back in before the end of the show. But yeah, Joe Cafaro uh, sends in a super chat. Uh, Jimmy was mentioning the $64,000 question. This is the $5 question here. Forbidden Door booked correctly with the right amount of time. Could have been a stadium show, especially if most were healthy for it. Issa, how do we feel about Forbidden Door? Maybe in a future year, packing a football stadium. 
I just feel like you have to build this new Japan stars. I know that people that watch New Japan are very hardcore and they understand everything going on, but there's a lot of people in the audience that don't know what's going on. With the right build, with with enough time, possibly yes, and with everybody healthy. I mean, if you told me for Bendor, the first person that would have came to my mind that I wanted to see in this pay per view was Omega, and he's not he's not there. Now we have CM Punk. Now we have Brian. Like, yeah, with everybody healthy. It probably could have, you know, been a little bit differently. Hi, Jimmy. Hello. Sorry. Yeah, the internet went out, so guess what? I have to use my phone. Ooh, oh, internet no. issues all across the globe today. That's why Justin's not here. Mm-hmm. He had mm-hmm. some troubleshooting before we started. So, you know, knock on wood that I stay safe yeah. for the rest of the show. Let me um, get all set up here. Oh my goodness, this, uh, uh, there's <laughs> issues here. Oh, wait a minute. What's going on here? We're back. Hold on one second here. We might be back on the laptop. Well, yeah. Oh. There we go. We got him. Hey. There we go. Okay. You know, well, Jimmy, while you were gone, we were talking about the fact that Forbidden Door, with the correct booking and without any injuries plaguing it, could have been a stadium show. Some people suggesting that in the comments. Do you think that if everything was going perfectly, let's pretend that, you know, it still happens on June 26th, two weeks mm-hmm. after Dominion, about a month after Double or Nothing, could this be a stadium show with a completely healthy roster on both ends? Um, I don't know. Uh, it, see, that's a tough call because, again, you're like I say, the AEW caters to a specific audience and they're the diehard fans. And and uh, can you get people to travel from outside the area to 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 come in? Sure, you can. And because their audience has bought all in to that product, regardless of what they do, mm-hmm. so it's possible. But at the same time, I think. Not just yet. Not just yet. Okay, hear me out. Since we're pondering about this, what mm. if we turn it and we do it in Japan? I, listen, I, I think the American audience can tune in at whatever <clears throat> time it ends up airing. But I think if you take Forbidden Door to Japan and you take that a lot of them have competed in Japan, I think it could fill up a stadium over there. I don't know about here quite yet, but in Japan, I have no doubt that they could pull it off. 100%. I think this thing would sell at the Tokyo Dome easily, considering they do it for Wrestle Kingdom every year. And you bring in guys who have competed in Japan before, bring in the familiar faces of a Kenny Omega, announced that Brian Danielson is going to be at the Tokyo Dome. This would easily fill that stadium over in Japan. In America, I think, you know, give it a couple of years. This is going to become an annual event. I think one day with the proper build and with New Japan getting hot again, because, you know, it's still a very big prominent wrestling promotion. They don't have nearly the amount of momentum they had in 2018 or 2019. A lot of that due to the depleting roster. A lot of that due to COVID as well, because when you take Mm -hmm. away audiences and the pandemic affecting Japan different than the States, things are going to be a little bit different. We do have another super chat I want to get to from Robert Martinez. He writes, I feel like Kenny was in the crowd in the pink suit with his face covered during the Hangman segment. Hopefully a setup for Okada versus Kenny. I hate to burst your bubble. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that was Kip mm-hmm. Sabian with the box on his head. <laughs> He's been doing that every single week. Mm-hmm. And He's I just so excited. It, <laughs> I, I miss Kenny so much. Uh, Battle Cry is like my go-to gym song. I miss that theme. I miss seeing his entrance. I miss the one-winged he- angel and everything. Uh, I'd be shocked if he doesn't make Forbidden Door feels weird without Kenny Omega being in mm-hmm. it. Like it feels like it, I know we're we're you know we just found out Brian's not gonna be on it and CM Punk, but Kenny Omega feels like he should 
it should be legal for this pay-per-view to go on without Kenny Omega. Right. I completely agree. We move mm-hmm. on with this show, though. We got Malachi Black and Penta Oscuro, a result that we kind of knew beforehand because, unfortunately, Penta Oscuro, Ray Phoenix, Andrade, and any other uh, any other talent that's contracted to AAA because of CMLL's relationship with New Japan is barred from competing at New Japan shows. Mm-hmm. It's all convoluted. It's all messy. Mm-hmm. There were rumblings. Andrade is saying that he was the one who was supposed to face Osprey before this change had to happen. So going in, we knew that Malachi Black was going to defeat Pentoscuro, and that's exactly what he did. He won with one with a pinfall. Pack confronted him after, and the Miro popped up on the video screen. And that fatal four-way is happening this Sunday for mm-hmm. the vacant, uncrowned All Atlantic Championship, mm-hmm. and it's between Pentoscuro, not excuse me, Malachi Black. Pack, Miro, and Tomohiro Ishii. There's so many different names. See, I'm getting confused. Excalibur is rubbing off on me a little bit, guys. What's <laughs> happening on the podcast? Jimmy, how'd you feel about this match? Uh, did it live up to the previous match, which was United uh, Empire taking on Rapongi Vice and Orange Cassidy? Uh, it, it was a it was a good match. The guys worked hard, but like you said, the audience that uh, that, that they cater to knows the the little backstories. They know the the peek behind the curtain, behind the fourth wall, so to speak. Uh, so they were probably of the same mindset you were that that uh, you know Penta was not winning this one. Uh, Ray Phoenix. Uh, what am I confusing here? Oh my goodness! See that Penta internet? Zero. Yeah, yeah. There you go. He's had eight hundred different names over the past couple it, months. To be, fair. I know, I know. At least, uh, and they they were calling and referring to him by one name. It's almost like uh, he was in WWE for one night. But anyways, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> no, it's just uh, again to that audience, that specific audience. They figured, like you, that he wasn't winning the match, but it was. Nonetheless, a good match. They both worked hard. It just, you know, like you said, for those in the know, the the outcome was uh, predictable. Mm-hmm. Chris Aldridge bringing up a good point. Yes, it's not vacant. They just introduced the title about three weeks ago. My my mm. coffee, uh, caffeine high, ran out about <laughs> four hours ago. So we're purely running on fumes right now. I apologize for the slip up. Uh, Issa, how do we feel just overall? about this All-Atlantic Championship. A lot of people saying too much titles in AEW. Oh, yes. With everything going on with the Ring of Honor title. But with the growing roster, is it an appropriate time to have a second mid-card title? Liam, you're so good at your job. You always ask the right questions. I just want to say I appreciate you. You make me think. You you keep me on my toes. But, um, yeah, it's too many titles, and I feel like maybe this one could have waited until after um, Forbidden Door. You know, to debut, I really, I I don't know. I feel like as soon as they announced it and I saw Miro in the brackets, I made up my mind about who I wanted to win it, which makes me extremely uninvested on the matches leading up to seeing Miro. I feel like if you're going to add a title that doesn't feel necessary, if somebody's going to make it feel important, it's going to be Miro. That's just my impression of what Miro brings and represents. As far as the match goes, I thought it was a really good match. But to your question to Jimmy, I kept comparing it to the last match. And while I didn't like the result, I really thought the six-man tag was so fast-paced. And this felt so slow compared to what we had seen earlier. But, I mean, they worked. I try to put behind, like, I'm rooting for Miro. Like, I even I didn't even care about what I knew and what I don't know about who's going to win but the fact that I just really want Miro to win this title just make me not care about the road there I just want to get there because I really want to see Miro back in an important role in AEW 
It's it's a really good point. And as much as I would love to see Miro with gold once again, I'm pulling for Pac on this one. He is a guy who is you, you know, want you want to make a bet? Oh, oh no, here we go. Really bad, actually. I feel pretty Ooh. good about Pac winning this one. Mm. We're gonna. I don't know oh. what we're gonna bet, but we're making a bet. We're making. Are you covering the show on Sunday? Are you here I on am. Sunday? <laughs> oh, oh, let's go. What you want to bet? <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll 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 decide on 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 Twitter. We have till uh, Sunday, but we'll we'll make it official on Twitter, and we'll it it's official. gonna happen. The reason why I'm I'm pulling for Pack, and the reason why I think he's gonna win is because him being like an AEW Day One original, and him. I'm sure you guys remember the whole situation where he was supposed to face Hangman Page at Double or Nothing, and then he pulled out possibly because he was gonna go over, but then he was gonna lose to Kenny at All Out or something. There's all these different rumblings about him being upset with his booking. And even though he has been booked decently strong in AEW, he's yet to hold a title. And when it comes to championships and first champions, I do think AEW wants to spread the wealth. Uh, when we look back at the first tag team champions, it being Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian is so crazy to me because they're probably <laughs> the most forgettable champions. But at the same yes. time, anytime Frankie Kazarian is in the ring, they can say the first ever AEW tag champion. Before Scorpio Sky got the TNT title and he had all this mid-card success, they could say, well, hey, Scorpio Sky, he was the first ever AEW tag champion. Miro mm -hmm. having such a lengthy and strong TNT title reign, I think it makes more sense for Pac to finally get that moment of, hey, mm -hmm. he was the first ever All-Atlantic champion. And I know I'm getting disagreements right now, Jimmy. I'm curious yeah. to hear your thoughts. No, I'm just, I, I get where you're coming from. And it, a lot of your points do make a lot of sense. But at the same time, the idea is to attract an audience, to grow your audience. And right now, I think if you want to grow your audience, Miro is the guy to grow your audience with. Do I think that this championship is needed right now? No, I think they don't have enough television time to feature their champions enough uh, as it is. You know, they've got two hours on on Wednesday night, one hour on Friday night. And yes, we do have the YouTube shows and stuff like that, but that's still not the audience, a big enough audience to, to warrant a, a, a second mid card title. But in my opinion, again, in my opinion, Miro is the guy who's connecting with the audience right now mm -hmm. with not only his in-ring stuff, but also his, his, his words. He's uh, when I mentioned earlier about talking people into seats, he's talking people to the TV screen, making them want to see him. So uh, I think Miro is a good choice right now for the first. He, he threatened God. He threatened God. So you think he can't take him back? <laughs> you, you make great points. And I, and I will say, even though I'm holding true, I'm not, I'm not wavering until I'm proven wrong. I believe we had this same disagreement, um, Issa, on a previous podcast where I was like, oh, AEW is going to spread the wealth. Ruby Soho is going to win uh, the Owen Hart uh, tournament. And then you're like, no, it's going to be Britt Baker because she's money, because she gets butts and seats. And lo and behold, I was proven wrong. I'm not willing to be wrong twice, so I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns right now. Uh, and hopefully I turn out to be right this Sunday. But we continue with this card. Adam Page defeating Milwaukee's own Silas Young from Ring of Honor. He's a former Ring of Honor two-time television champion as Excalibur, you know, regurgitated into the mic at 800 speed. Anyways, though, after the bell, this is where the real meat of the show happened. This is where the big you know, moments that everyone's been waiting a long, long time to happen in AEW. Uh, Adam Cole belittled Adam Page. Jay White came out saying he's not going to face Adam Cole because he lost to Hangman Page twice. He goes mm -hmm. to attack uh, Hangman in the ring. Uh, Cole joins in on the fact. And then eventually they're interrupted by a coin flip needle drop 
that being the music of one Kazuchika Okada, mm-hmm. one of the most legendary competitors in New Japan, one of the most protected competitors in modern professional wrestling, hits the ring, joins forces with Hangman Adam Page. Mm-hmm. They don't come to blows. They kind of have a subtle sign of respect. And it's later announced that the IWGP uh, World Heavyweight title match at Forbidden Door is going to be Jay White defending his title against Hangman Adam Page, against Adam Cole, and against Kazuchika Okada in a four-way about Jimmy, I'll ask you first. How do we feel about Kazuchika Okada's long-awaited AEW debut? Uh, it was a nice surprise, but at the same time, there's a guy you should promote. You want people to tune in, especially diehard, hardcore New Japan fans. You don't pull a surprise on them. You tell them appearing tonight is Kazuchika Okada, and have him. You don't have to necessarily say when he's coming out. Oh, he's going to interrupt here, but again. The aftermath took over from a match that was enjoyable again. And, uh, and um, I, I'm not a big fan of this turning into a four-way, but I get why. It's, it's like my old adage, trying to squeeze 20 pounds of potatoes in a 10-pound bag. It's, it's one of the problems AEW ha- has had for a long time now, and it continues, and it continued again tonight. Issa, how do we feel about Okada finally arriving in All Elite Wrestling? I was very excited. I, I wasn't expecting him, and I feel like a lot of people have gave up in the fact that we were getting Okada. I kept thinking to myself, it's like I'm not a big New Japan. I'm not a New Japan person at all, but it felt like you can't do Forbidden Door without Omega on the AW side and Okada on the New Japan side. Like It doesn't feel right. So there was a part of me that was still holding out hope for this, but it did feel like the moment took away from the match. I, I I wasn't invested into into Adam Page's opponent. Again, now you're giving me people from Ring of Honor, right? Tony Khan buys Ring of Honor. If you didn't watch Ring of Honor, you're getting a lot of people that you're not familiar with. You don't. You said something about the titles earlier, Liam. It feels the same way with the performers. I don't know who's coming from Ring of Honor. I don't know who's coming from New Japan. I don't even know who's AEW anymore. I was excited for Okada. I still don't understand what the match is going to be because they never made it clear. And to me, with Ram page being a pre-tape show we should have left dynamite knowing what the final card for new japan is mm-hmm. and i still don't feel like we know that but mm-hmm. hey okada got a very good pop and and i'm happy that he's going to be part of the show because i really do feel like they needed him to be part of the show mm-hmm. he did get an awesome reaction which i was very happy about but i will say after the moments and the excitement of the moment had passed and i was kind of analyzing it I felt very similar to how when Will Ospreay finally arrived and the fact that coming out in like a t-shirt and jeans, like I, I know this is the most minute of criticisms, but like, this is the guy I remember mm. hearing, you know, whispers about the legend of Okada and everything. And I was very unfamiliar with him. I saw a couple of wrestle kingdom matches, but leading up to all in, you know, the show that sparked everything in September, mm-hmm. 2018 and the match he was having with Marty Skrull. If I'm not mistaken, Marty was promoting that match, just him on Ring of Honor television. They were saving Okada for, no, you don't get to see Okada until the pay-per-view itself. And when that coin flip hit at All In and the crowd lost their minds because it was like, oh my God, he's actually here. It was like Cody Rhodes wrestling Mm -hmm. has more than one royal family at WrestleMania this year. Oh my God, it's actually happening. We knew it was announced and everything, but here he is. Him showing up in just a t-shirt and everything and Jim Ross going, oh my God, it's Kazuchika Okada. I would have loved if we had just, you know, waited until, not that you can't, you you need to announce him in advance if you're going to sell this pay-per-view. I completely understand that. But seeing him in just street clothes right now, 
when the same mm. way that Osprey debuted with just street clothes on, like it just it felt wrong to me. It, it should have been so much bigger. The the pageantry wasn't there. There was something missing from it. And I don't know. I'm, I'm very pessimistic about this show tonight, guys. They they didn't stand out, is what. No, they didn't. Yeah. No, they yeah. didn't. They did no, they didn't stand out. It, you know what? I get the thought process of just trying to make them look like everyday people. But this, you're not everyday you people. Can't. You can't. You guys are superstars. You guys are different. You guys yeah. are big time. You got to look the part. And you know what's the best part, Jimmy? Because you bring that up. I said earlier, I tune into New Japan for Wrestle Kingdom. And there's a reason why. And if there's somebody that steals the show every freaking year, Sokara, with the pageantry, with the presentation, the entrances, the matches, it felt like a completely different person that I was mm -hmm. seeing tonight. I'm hoping they get a better presentation and entrance and everything on Sunday. But to your guys' point, I agree. Like my, one of my favorite things about Wrestle Kingdom is they go all out. And if you're getting someone that's mm -hmm. just watching that event specifically, like some of us, they're gonna be like, "Really? Like the last time I saw this guy, he had like the best entrance I ever freaking seen." Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows what happens Sunday? I'm willing to bet it's the United Center. They're gonna have some sort of big stage and everything. And I think they will plan at least a couple grand entrances. We'll probably get the Okada bucks and the money raining from the ceiling and everything and a lot of cool stuff. But as for that first appearance, man, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. I was just a little let down in hindsight in the moment. It was awesome because man, that coin flip, that theme is incredible, but hoping for something more mm -hmm. pizzazzy comes Sunday. We move so on. Is with this, this a fatal four way? Yeah. Was that announced or do we still yeah. don't know? This is, it is a fatal four at the very yeah. end as, as happens on every dynamite. Excalibur mm -hmm. ran down the card. He was stumbling over his words at this point. Mm -hmm. I joke about the fact that he talks at 800 speed with so many facts going on at once. Yeah. But yeah. when he was running down the matches that are happening uh, on Rampage on Friday, as well as the matches that are happening at Forbidden Door, it was just, it was a, a mile. So, of don't yeah. you feel like this could have been two singles matches based on the fact that we're missing so much star power and then you're going to throw like the majority of your star power in one match? Like, shouldn't it have been, like, maybe Hangman against Okada and maybe Jay White against Adam Cole just because of the fact that we're missing Omega, CM Punk, we're missing Brian, Naito. Like, I personally feel like you should have not thrown, like, some of your biggest names in one match. Lisa, as much as I agree with you, we're coming off double or nothing, which was five and a half hours. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, if, if this is... Right, but there are matches out there that didn't necessarily need to happen as a singles match. So mm -hmm. there, there's a different way to kind of like weigh this sure. out so that you have two big singles matches to give. We need a, we need a bigger bag for the potatoes. <laughs> we did. I, I think we completely <laughs> agree on that point. Yeah. And one point that I agree on with Issa, because I, I made note to look out for it this week, the women's match started at 922. 922. A little bit earlier, <laughs> little bit earlier than 930, but still it, it bled right into that 930 part of the show. Tony Storm defeating Marina Shafir. Tony Storm obviously going on to Forbidden Door to challenge Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's title. Yet again, another post-match beatdown, another, mm -hmm. you know, person making the save and everything. Just rinse and repeat, cut and paste this entire show. It's driving me crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, Issa, how do we feel about, obviously, the women's match happening in your worst time slot available? Yeah, I'm not surprised about the time spot. I want to know nothing against Marina Shafir, but why does she keep getting television time when there's other people that are higher up in the rankings? And if you're going to have this one spot for the women every week at the same time, a whole 10 minutes, shouldn't we be featuring different women in this spot? 
Like the fact that we have seen Marina Shafir just go out there two weeks in a row to lose. And, and again, you know, you have, I'm looking at the rankings right now. Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, Chris Statlander, Tony Storm, Serena Deeps. There are other options out there. Maybe it's because the person that was coming out is going to lose just to, just to enhance Tony Storm because she has a title match that we also have not built. And, and I'm, I'm not even going to get into that in Thunder Rosa and her matches that actually I will say the Serena Deeps is only one that had a little bit of a backstory to it. This mm. doesn't feel like it has a backstory to it, but mm. I just wish that if you're only going to have one spot for the women and it's at nine 30, I wish we were seeing different women every week. That's all. Mm. Yeah. Not the best uh, match either, by the way, not the best. match. <laughs> Hmm. I, I completely hear what you're saying, and it looks like Roman is agreeing with you yeah. on that end. Jimmy, how do we feel about this match in particular? And do you have hmm. interest in Tony Storm challenging Thunder Rosa? No, again, I, they, they they didn't do a good job of getting me invested in the match. And and not just this match. I, I hate to bring up the other ones, too. Overall, for the pay-per-view, and this just bleeds into the other problems along the way. This pay-per-view, uh, especially this go-home show going into the pay-per-view did not help entice me and this women's match did uh, i know the women tried hard but at the same time something didn't click uh to to isa's point in this match something didn't click and again they didn't do a good job of wanting getting me to want to see the women's title match this sunday and even to that point uh the fatal four-way we talked about earlier it just uh, it, it's it's part of the entire package. They just didn't get me emotionally invested to want to see these things. Uh, well, I'm well, I'm happy that there is even a women's match on this card because I didn't see it coming. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. it also feels like you booked it just to book it so you don't get criticized for not putting a women's match on the show. So that doesn't make mm-hmm. it any better either. Yeah, okay, and and you know, I will give the WWE credit for one thing. They do when they do the women's and they showcase them like like they did this past Monday. They open the show with with the women. That's a that's a big time spot for the women. They close the show with the women. At least they're trying to give them at least the appearance of appearing important. When you're giving them that pre main event spot every week and that's it, it makes it feel like an afterthought. You know, if you're not going to open the show with them, you're not going to close the show, at least give them the crossover hour, the nine o'clock right. hour or something like that. Yeah. Make it feel like they are important. Yeah, I, I completely agree on all fronts. And I worry about Tony Storm. Uh, I think she's being booked really strongly right now. But obviously the last time a, a WWE talent jumped over to AEW and challenged mm-hmm. for the women's title shortly after, that was Ruby Soho. And she was kind of, Lost in the shuffle for many, many months until obviously the Owen Hart tournament and got all the way to the finals and then kind of, you know, set back to square zero. Hopefully Tony Storm, win or lose, comes out of this looking strong and has a clear path moving forward in AEW because she's one of those talents to me. Everyone always puts the label of ex-WWE on anyone that worked in WWE before. Mm -hmm. Kushida going to New Japan, I don't look at that as ex-WWE. Sure, he had a stint in in WWE, but he's a New Japan talent through and through. Tony Storm is a legend on the indie scene. You know, she's made a name for herself before WWE. That obviously helped rise her star power, but Mm -hmm. I think, you know, she's someone that can prove herself in AEW and the same way that Hangman Adam Page feels like an AEW guy despite having his Ring of Honor run, Tony Storm could be an AEW girl through and through. Here's hoping she comes out strong of Forbidden Door. We go to our main event now. John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi 
can they coexist Exist. the opponents on, on, on Sunday coming together in a tag team in the go-home show? They defeat Chris Jericho and Lance Archer. Then we get a big brawl to end the show. New Japan and uh, AEW. And I see Eddie Kingston in the corner walking around with a chair, not knowing what he's supposed to do. I will give WWE credit. They know how to do a big clearing brawl and have everyone get involved and not feel like they don't know what's going on. This felt a little discombobulated. This felt confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of course, while the brawl is going on, Excalibur is running down the man- matches going on on Rampage on Friday. So much at once. Mm-hmm. Guys, I'm talking in circles on this podcast. <sighs> My criticisms just got proven time and time and time again, match after match. Jimmy, how do we feel at least, you know, starting with the match, uh, Moxley and Tanahashi defeating uh, Jericho and Archer? Did you enjoy this main event? You know what? I, I, again, to that point... I wish I could say I did, but I it it's totally lost on me the match because of all that aftermath going afterwards happening and just going, oh my goodness, you know, I, I I this I hate to say this, but I truly don't remember much of the match because afterwards with all that stuff going on, it just made me go, oh come on, do you know what I mean? And and when that happened, it made me less interested in the match. Which I let me put it this way: the guys did work hard, and Jericho is is awesome. You know, like very, when you talk about some of the greatest of all time, Jericho's in that conversation. But, and it's again, they lost me with all the aftermath that went on the post match. And, and like you said, giving you a rundown while stuff is going on. I mean, like, come on. And I get it. You're coming up on time where you have to like end the show, but at the same time, boy, just discombobulated. Completely agree. Issa, how are we feeling about the main event and the post-match brawl? I want to give a shout-out to Tanahashi and Mox because they were able to coexist for so long that they held the longest stare-down I have ever witnessed in wrestling history. Like <laughs> They were staring at each other for a solid seven minutes without attacking each other. Like I don't even understand how that's even possible in professional wrestling, but here they are making things happen uh i had a hard time getting invested in this only because of the fact that i personally think we need to build lance archer to get some credible wins as soon as i saw lance archer as jericho's opponent i was like okay so tanahashi and Mox are winning here um because they have come off as two people that respect each other i didn't think they were going to go into that whole wwe booking of they can't coexist and that's what cost them the match the ending was just such a mess. Like you need to figure out what you're trying to promote. Are you are you that invested into into Forbidden Door or are you invested into blood and guts? It feels like even AEW doesn't really care about Forbidden Door to the point that they had to kind of add the blood and guts promotion at the end of your go home show for Forbidden Door. Too much. The stare down had me dying laughing because, again, I just don't believe that anybody can just stare at someone for that long, making that serious of a face and not laugh or punch the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you need to figure out what you're trying to promote. Blood and guts or forbidden door. Not both mm-hmm. for your go home, the last thing we see segment on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, and you mentioned too, we need to get Lance Archer some credible wins. They do this with him like so often. He, he gets a bunch of squash match victories on dynamite and then he's built up to be a title contender and then he loses that match we're back to square zero i feel the same exact way about minoru suzuki when he came out and he was supposed to be the big game changer in this brawl that's going on when he debuted i believe it was all out 2021 got a crazy reaction confronted john moxley oh my god like this hard-hitting strong style guy from new japan is here all he does in aew is lose 
I don't believe I've ever seen him get a win on AEW television. And to me at that point, just kind of lost all credibility. Like guys need Mm -hmm. a win, like especially in AEW where wins and losses are so crucial. Like guys come out and their wins and losses are on their lower third. And, you know, it's, it's hurting credibility. Like you said, Issa with Lance Archer, with guys like Minoru Suzuki, with guys like the United empire, which I was so frustrated about earlier in this podcast. You know, a, a comment here, um, uh, Kite High saying, it. if me, just watch and enjoy, but sometimes it can drive you crazy. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I want to turn off my brain and, and enjoy AEW uh, for what it is, but things like that frustrate me. And another comment here from uh, Bandy Jacobs saying, they built Lance on Dark. No one watches Dark. No one, appropriate, no one appropriate name for a show. Exactly. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Like, I, I would love... Uh, I love that, you know, dark matches happen because then it builds up the the amount of matches people get to have. And it's better to see a lower third, say their record this year is is 25 and three than like eight and two, because there's just more time to have matches on dark and build up uh, your your rosters, you know, win and loss record. But mm-hmm. again, like what what's what's it doing for the talent when we're not watching on a on a weekly basis? Uh, Jimmy, how do you feel about this uh, very ending brawl that do you feel like it was you said it was discombobulated did this hurt or help forbidden door in terms of you know this is the last shot we see before the show for me it it didn't help it it didn't entice me to want to tune in and and you know that's the that's the way you want people leaving the show you want people leaving the show going oh i got to see what's going to happen on sunday i got to see what's going to happen at the pay-per-view this was just it wasn't even controlled chaos it was like i said uh, it was all over the map and you know and, and for all the critiques i have for wwe as well when it comes to stuff like that at least they're when they do chaos it's controlled chaos and there's a purpose behind it there's always and the announcers are there to tell the story on what's going on even in this case the announcers were kind of like you know there yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. and, and like you said, they're they're trying to run down Sunday. What's going on Sunday? While well, stuff is still going on in front of, I'm oh, just didn't work for me. I, I want to make a comment about the comment that you highlighted about they build lens on dark. Not only do people are not everybody watching dark, but you had Tony Khan himself tweet out that uh, Antonio Gogo had the exact same win and loss record as John Moxley. But the reason why Moxley was the number one contender is because he had better opponents. Why is that? Because Moxley is wrestling on dynamite. So somebody being built on dark, even your company CEO, general manager, and booker mm-hmm. is saying, yeah, those matches don't matter. Mm-hmm. So why should I care about what Lance Archer is doing on dark if it doesn't mean anything on the main show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I- I can't agree more. I was recently going back and watching old CM Punk AEW promos because I just I miss him on on weekly AEW Dynamite. And one of his promos with Eddie Kingston building up their match at Full Gear when Eddie was like, "Fight me at Full Gear," and he was like, "I don't know if the pay per views your speed. Maybe something more your speed is like dark or dark elevation." Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, in the moment I caught the oohs and ahs from the crowd, and obviously in the moment, the heat of the moment, we all go, "Oh man, like that's a dig right there." And then you think about it a little bit. I'm like. Well, when one when, of your main guys is saying that a couple of the shows are lesser than, what does that do exactly. to the audience's subconscious? It makes mm-hmm. you feel like exactly. it's lesser than. So who knows? I That's mean, the wrestling on Rampage is already feeling slightly lesser than, let alone mm-hmm. dark or elevation. Yeah. 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 I Yeah. And mm-hmm. I will say, too, in terms of the closing brawl, 
there's so many different things you could have done to make this better. And as much criticism as WWE will get for Survivor Series, I've never understood the hate about Survivor Series. I know that it doesn't feel as big four anymore, but I, especially in 2016 and the year NXT got involved, I loved the build. It felt like big, it felt like a big deal. And also I'm just a sucker for when the rosters come out and they're wearing their brand yes, shirt. Yes, but that's the mm-hmm. years that, that WWE was sticking to the brand split. And this really was the time that you could see these people go at it. I like the concept of, of mm-hmm. brand versus brand. The problem is that now everybody can show up at any show at any time. So it doesn't feel like it matters. But I am yeah. with you that 2016, 2017 era when there was a real brand split. I like Survivor Series. And don't even get me started on the year that NXT got involved. It was the best. Mm-hmm. And when you're going to make Forbidden Door, not the Survivor Series equivalent, but it's the closest thing to brand warfare, if you will, because the AEW roster is one big family. When you're bringing in these New Japan guys, have them come out in New Japan dojo t-shirts or something like that. Because there were a bunch of no-name guys where I was like, I don't recognize you, so I assume you're New Japan. And then, of course, on commentary, Excalibur is like, oh, that's so-and-so. He competed in the best of the Super Juniors of the past couple of years. I'm like, I, I, I can't follow along. There's too much information at once. And the graphic in the bottom corner of the screen is saying, oh, by the way, uh, Cash Wheeler versus Minoru Suzuki on Rampage. I'm like, just yeah. one at a time. Yeah, yeah. And, and not to interrupt, and not to interrupt you, Liam, but but it, it, it's the tone in which Excalibur says it too. It's, like, it's almost like, how do you not know this is so-and-so? You know what I mean? It's like, you should know who he, you know, anyway. I I hear what you guys are saying. And uh, before we get out of here, I do want to run down the Forbidden Door card. Mm -hmm. We're obviously going to be covering it this Sunday on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'll be there. Issa will be there. Jimmy, will you be joining us as well? Unfortunately, I won't be joining you this Sunday as uh, I can't watch it live. I'm going to have to watch it a little bit later. So I'm going to have to. Do they still say tape or record? I'm going to have to record it. (laughs) DVR, yeah, there we go. It'll be in your library. You can watch it there every, you go. every time. Um, it'll be myself. It'll be Issa. And we'll have a third chair as well. You'll have to stick around for that. That'll be our Daniel Bryan mystery replacement. And all that. Um, but the matches we have on Forbidden Door, Max Caster and the Gun Club taking on Alex Coughlin, the DKC, Kevin Knight, and Yuya Umiura, John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the interim AEW world title, Pac versus Miro versus Malachi Black versus Tomohiro Ishii, the AEW All-Atlantic Championship, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki versus Eddie Kingston, Willer Yuta, and Shota Umino, Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy for the IWGP US title, Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm for the AEW Women's title, FTR versus the United Empire versus Rapongi Vice for both the ROH World, Ti- World Tag Titles and the IWGP Tag Titles, Zack Sabre Jr. versus the mystery opponent, Jay White versus Okada versus Hangman Adam Page versus Adam Cole for the IWGB world title, mm-hmm. and the Young Bucks and Bullet Club taking on Darby Allen, Sting, and Los Ingobernables de Japón. So many matches uh, to run down, 10 in total, so it looks like we are in this one for the long haul. Issa, mm-hmm. I'll go to you first. What is the one match that is getting you to pay for this pay-per-view? <laughs> Mm. No, I'm only watching it because I have to cover it. If you want me to be straight up honest. Mm. <laughs> uh, Tanahashi versus Mox. I'm very curious about who's going to be the interim champ. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a lot of names that you mentioned on there that I'm still not familiar with. It still feels like these matches got thrown together. I just wish we could have spent this time getting to know this new Japan. 
um, stars and, and, and getting invested into why I should buy the pay-per-view. But yeah, yeah, yeah. To answer your question and try to be positive, I'm excited for Tanahashi and Mox. I feel like they have done a great job of building yeah. how much they have been looking forward to fighting each other. And mm -hmm. I have a feeling that it's going to go down when they finally get to go at it. And hopefully yeah. MJF shows up. Mm -hmm. Hopefully MJF shows up. That would be pretty fun. Jimmy, what's the match on this card that you're most looking forward to? If, if you're going to DVR it, what's the match that you're going to skip in advance to watch first? Um, I'm, I, I hate to sound like a, 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 a joiner, but uh, I'm with Issa. I'm curious to see who's going to be the interim champion because when Punk does eventually come back, can you imagine a rivalry with him and Mox? Uh, I, I, I'm not discounting Tanahashi, but I'm just saying going into... Uh, reunifying the championship and coming up with the one and only AEW undisputed champion, whatever you want to call the title. Uh, you know, hopefully they don't do the two, two title belt thing, whatever. But, uh, um, you know, I think there is money in a rivalry with Moxley and, oh, and yeah. CM Punk. And I'm thinking, you know, long-term down, down the, uh, down the road. Yeah. I want to be excited. I see a lot of people in the chat mentioning <laughs> who Daniel Bryan is bringing. I want to be excited, but I like to live my life expecting the worst and mm. hoping for the best. So I'm just going to expect that James Ellsworth is going to come out of that curtain on Sunday. Okay. So that way I'm pleasantly surprised. A hundred percent. I'm curious to see who that person is. But at the same time, this that curiosity is not making me go out and spend 50 bucks. Yeah. A very good point here. The the match that's going to sell me, you know, I love Will Ospreay, so I'm just excited to see Will Ospreay. And I will say the reason, too, is because watching him evolve over the years, he's really put on a lot of size, and he's someone who you can tell has toned down his style a bit, significantly. Like, he still does stuff in, in the wrestling ring that no one else can do, but some of the stuff he did in the mid-2010s is just not in his arsenal anymore, at least yeah. on weekly television. I've seen yeah. him wrestle on, you know, the Wrestle Kingdoms and, and the one-off shows, the, the Dominions of the World. He tends to bring out something extra when you're paying the big bucks. So I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to seeing what Will Ospreay's moveset looks like mm -hmm. in a premium format on pay-per-view. And I think what he, what he does against Orange Cassidy is going to be pretty special. Yeah, and let's not forget that Orange Cassidy can wrestle and can do stuff yeah. besides put his hands in his pockets and do those soft kicks. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that you brought that up because going back to that opening match, Orange Cassidy won me over. And I'm not the biggest Orange Cassidy fan, but watching him in the ring again, maybe, I don't know if it's been too long, but I was like, yo, this guy can't go. I forgot how good he is. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple other things that are keeping me excited for this show. I know we've been a lot of pessimism on this show, more for me than I'm used to, too. I'm usually all positivity all the time, all glass half full. But uh, Jimmy brought up the fact of Moxley and Punk possibly feuding down the line. They have so much built-in animosity, too, because Moxley can say, you know, I was the guy who took a chance on AEW from day one. You were the guy who had to wait two years to, to have us be proven and all that. You're the mm -hmm. one who wants to leech off of our success. Well, I'm the one who helped build this from the ground up. And on top of that, I love the countdowns. I know that it's going to be hard for people to watch live. They usually post them in full on YouTube after the fact. Mm -hmm. The sports feel of those video packages is, to me, second to none in pro wrestling right now. WWE has an incredible yeah. video package team on hand. But the AEW countdowns, the Road 2 uh, little yeah. segments they do for mm -hmm. the one-off Dynamites and all that are incredible. And yeah. for as weak as I thought this dynamite was, 
you know, we don't know how Rampage will turn out. I'm willing to bet the countdown gets me stoked for this movie. Yes, yeah. and the countdown will do a good job at introducing mm. some of the stars that we're not 100% familiar with. I'm, I'm mm. certain about that, and I will make sure to catch it. I might have mm. to record it, tape it, or DVR it, <laughs> whatever your word of choice is, but I will definitely yeah. be watching that prior to Sunday. Okay. Either way, that is AEW Dynamite. That's your Forbidden Door preview. That's your little Vince McMahon update, and that is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in. Isa to my left at NYC Demon Diva. Diva spelt with a one for the I. Mm -hmm. Anything special you got coming up uh, in terms of plans for uh, future pro wrestling coverage? Uh, no, I will be here covering the show after, but I will be doing a watch along. <laughs> this might be a marathon mm -hmm. on my YouTube mm -hmm. channel. So search on YouTube NYC Demon Diva and go subscribe if you guys want to hang out over there and watch Forbidden Door with me. Make sure to check it out for sure. Jimmy Corderas, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. You can find him on socials at Jimmy Corderas right there in the bottom of your screen. Anything fun you got going on in the coming days? Well, as you see on my social media accounts like Twitter and Instagram and my Facebook, you can catch my ref daily ref and rants. They're only a minute long. So it's not a long drawn out process. I get I get my try to get my points in in a minute, but anyways, unlike here where I ramble on, but uh, yeah, I do, I'm doing that. I, you'll find me on here on Wednesday nights, looking going over uh, AEW Dynamite, and I'm filling in for Roger for over the summer on Monday nights after Raw as well on here on the on the Wrestling Inc. Uh, uh, network of uh, channels. And uh, shout out to Raj because the Abs won in overtime against Tampa Bay tonight and uh, take a three one series lead. So cheers, Raj. Oh, there we go. The Avalanche might pull it out. Lightning aren't going to mm -hmm. three feet. Maybe. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I hope it goes seven games. because Well, I, I, I'm in Toronto. I'm a Maple Leafs guy. And uh, as one of the few people who was still alive the last time the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup, uh, I hope you I hope uh, your guys win it, Raj. What was the rock line from way back in the day? He's like stronger than a bear, faster than a buck. The biggest thing to hit Canada because the Maple Leafs suck. The, the nuclear heat that he got from that reaction. Oh, my goodness. Incredible. But I will say this, at least Austin Matthews, uh, one most outstanding player. There we go. Well, a little Sorry. hockey talk to, to end yeah. this wrestling sure. podcast. There you go. On socials, at Liam T. Crowley, right down there below. I'll be back on this microphone for Forbidden Door on Sunday. And I promise I'm going to bring that optimism and that glass half full energy. Because I, I have faith that they're going to pull out at least a good wrestling card, despite kind of the weak build. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. We'll see you again very soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.